0: and welcome to Women With Books. I'm Lindsay Emery, author and host of this fabulous podcast. Our guest this episode is none other than Penny Reed, As you'll hear on the episode, she was one of the first people that I wanted to have on this podcast, and she truly epitomizes what smart romance means. You'll see. And it's super fun that Penny and I are both releasing books on the same week with proceeds going to hurricane relief. My book, Resisting Santa, which comes out today, is a quirky holiday romance set in Mistletoe Key, Florida, an island where Christmas is celebrated 365 days a year. Like I told Penny, I set out to write my version of a Hallmark Christmas movie, and I love, love, love it. But when Hurricane Irma hit Florida, I knew I couldn't release a feel-good romance about the keys without doing something to help. So I, along with Alexander Hutton, who wrote the next Mistletoe Key novel due out next week in November, we both decided to donate the proceeds of our books for the month of November to Hurricane Relief. So buy resisting santa buy penny's book kissing tolstoy buy blue christmas by alexandra Houghton, and your money will go to victims of harvey irma and maria i mean win win am i right i will put the links to everything in the show notes for all the feel-good feelings wait but one more thing before we get to the podcast y'all make sure you're signed up for my women with books newsletter it's so easy go to womenwithbooks.com and find the link there along with all the information about the books and authors discussed on the podcast and subscribe to the newsletter. I'm killing it with this newsletter, you guys. You will get handy-dandy reminders about guests, shows, and exclusive content. There are questions and answers that don't make it on the show, and we're going to put those in the newsletter, and you really want to read this stuff by your favorite authors about reading and books. It's awesome. You'll love it. I promise. Okay, now grab your latte or your English breakfast tea and enjoy my conversation with Penny Reed. I'm so excited. We have a guest that honestly has been on my wish list ever since I started this podcast. Penny Reed. Welcome, Penny.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
0: I, um, I'm going to be gushing. I'm just gushing alert. I need to come up with like a funny <laughs> sound or something about that. But we'll get to the gushing. But if I prematurely gush.
1: <laughs> sure. I can help you. I can help you research that in terms of whatever the opposite of a sad trombone is. <laughs> that would be the sa- the sound that you do, need. Do, do, do.
0: I don't know. Um... <laughs> yeah,
1: there you go.
0: <laughs> so you are a best-selling uh, author of what you call smart romance, is that correct? Uh, that's correct. All right, so I want to know, I want to start off with you telling us, like, what does smart romance mean to you?
1: Oh, geez. Okay, so first I have to give you a little bit of context. Um, my very first book, uh, I, wrote it, I wrote it on a bed for a friend of mine, Uh, we both worked at the same epidemiological center and she was a biochemist and she was a voracious reader of romance novels uh but she did she had a complaint that she couldn't find um romance characters especially heroines that she could connect to or connect with and um i've always written since i was eight just lots of short stories but interestingly enough mostly science fiction so she um Uh, She knew that about me, and so I told her I would write her romance novel with smart people. And uh, what I meant by that was um, people that we knew and people that reminded um, us of ourselves, meaning that maybe not... uh, uh, I guess, common sense, smart, but more like, Oh, I know, I know about that. Here's this research article, or here's this PubMed article, or have you heard this, this new information, or how would you calculate that? So, um, I guess smart romance would be, um, not necessarily a lot of common sense, but more so interested in varied subjects. Um, uh, yeah. So there you go. So, um, uh, I guess characters who have conversations about things like bitcoins and the Nigerian oil crisis and artificial intelligence and the ethical ramifications of that. So that's what I would that's what I would say is smart romance.
0: Well, I think that all your series. This this really I love hearing you describe that because it really does explain. I think all of your series. I was looking over the Knitting in the City series, uh, the Winston Brothers series, the Hypothesis series, which have a lot of chemistry formulas and stuff on the cover. (laughs) And then Irish rugby. I mean, this and if and I don't want to get into all because they're all quite long series, but everything's so varied and everyone has different jobs and and professions. So do you have to research all of that? Or do you just naturally know a lot about all of those things?
1: Oh, no, no, I have to research. I have to research a lot. But um, that brings in, <clears throat> excuse me, that brings in my previous profession, which I was a researcher. So I wrote, I, gr- I wrote about, um, I guess, one to two million words a year in grant proposals. And so now, instead of researching for grant proposals, I research for a fiction. There you
0: go. And Irish rugby. I have to, I I want to get into, I'm going to start those books one of those days because I just love the titles. Um, they always make me uh, do a double take when I see them on Amazon. Was it hooker, hooker and the hermit?
1: The hooker and the hermit. Yeah. Yeah. The first
0: time I saw that I'm like, dang, what is that about?
1: (laughs) And so what's so fun about that title in particular is that um, we get some reviews that are disappointed that it's not about a <laughs> prostitute. It's about a, it's a, unfortunately, I mean, just spoiler alert, there's no prostitutes in the book. Um, it's about a rugby hooker. A H- hooker is a position in yes. the sport of rugby. And um, so that's where the title came from. And the female character is very much a hermit. So um, that explains the title. title.
0: It's the best.
1: Thank you. Well, I would. I wanted
0: to make sure I talked about. Also, you've got another release coming out next. Gosh, it's like in a couple weeks, November sixth.
1: Yeah, in two weeks.
0: It's gonna be soon. Um, called "Kissing Tolstoy," and it's a release re-release of your the book you've had going on in your newsletter. Tell us about that.
1: Oh sure. Okay, so I've had a. a book or a story Serial exclusive to my newsletter For the last year And um, the original title Which you can find for free On my newsletter is Nobody Looks Good in Leather Pants and, um,
0: Which is also an awesome <laughs>
1: title <laughs> Well Because the character The main character believes that nobody looks good In leather pants <clears throat> Which is up for debate uh, Anyway So she well, well. Anyway, so what I what I did was I released this um, this serial f- over the course of twelve months on my newsletter, and then for the version that releases in two weeks, which is called uh, um, Kissing Tolstoy, uh, we changed the title and the cover and all of that because the expanded version that that will be published is actually 15,000 words longer than the newsletter version. Now the newsletter version has reaches a satisfying conclusion and it ends, but the expanded version has scenes from the male's perspective and also, um, and then it's obviously longer. And then all of the proceeds are going to go to hurricane relief, uh, specifically for Puerto Rico. Um, so that, that's the plan for that particular book, but it's been fun. It, um, it's there's a lot of discussion about uh classic russian literature and uh, matters of the soul and individualism and um you know the the classic bourgeoisie proletariat argument about um worth i guess self-worth but not just that but classes of in society and and the worth of each of those classes so uh yeah so there's a lot of um debate between the two main characters about those subjects um but it was fun it was fun to write and i actually am going to be doing another newsletter exclusive story called nobody looks good naked so that's coming up <laughs> that's coming up and in, in, uh, next summer and then i'll i'm hope i'm hopeful to follow this pattern again which is that i i have a um i release one a month for a year and then i expand it and then when i release it and when i publish it all proceeds will go to um, a charity. So that's my plan. So,
0: as a writer, I guess not as a reader, do you write the whole thing first and then divvy it up and put it in your newsletters? Or are you just like every week opening it up and going, what's going to happen this week? Or every month?
1: <laughs> oh, gee, I wish I could do the second. But I actually do the first, which is I write the slim down version first. I write the version for my mm-hmm. newsletter first. And then before... And then I... I I have in my reader group on Facebook, I have a spoiler thread so that people can discuss the book without um, spoiling other people in the group. So there's one thread dedicated to it. And what I do is, and I'm not ashamed to admit this, I spend the year after people receive their newsletters, they go online and they discuss the book. I pilfer their ideas of, Oh, I wish I could see this or wouldn't it be fun if this happened for the expanded version. So I take a wish their wish list, my reader's wish list of ideas, and I try to incorporate that in the expanded expanded version. And uh, so I'm excited. I'm that excited. It's so about fun
0: that. both from a reader perspective and a writer perspective, because readers will love to tell you <laughs> what they what they like and what they want to see more of. And from a writer, we want right. to give that to our readers. And I mean, how many times have I heard writers say, I would pay to know you know like why you don't finish my book even you know like give me that feedback right. so i can do a better job next time so
1: right and i know that um i know that my books can be very challenging um and because of that it's it's nice to do something that's just fun that's just very commercial and or i guess more commercial than most of my books but something that's just and i don't want to say fluff because I don't think that's the appropriate word, but just something that's really fun. And that, um, you know, I, I think that fan fiction is so awesome because it's led to so many, you know, modern or now, you know, writers, authors that we have in our community, especially in the indie author community. Um, but it's like a wish list and, and, I would love to be able to. I guess it's my version of reading my um, readers' fanfic. This reading through the spoiler thread and being like, okay, I'm gonna do that for them. So I like.
0: There we go. Is that like the most meta thing?
1: (laughs) (laughs) While I make a, uh, while I make a, what is that? The the those meals that come. Uh, prepackaged oh, yeah so while I'm making a blue apron I'm writing my own fanfic and listening to a podcast century. so there you go so um, very 21st century so yeah there you go um, I guess in a way I kind of am I did that last something similar to that last year for a blog for a Christmas story a number of readers had said I would love to see a story about these two characters from the Winston Brothers series and I was like I will write that and so it's been it's fun to give my readers, especially my really loyal, passionate readers, um, the stories that they ask for because I can't always do that with my series. I have to remain true to the universe and to the world um, and the character motivations that have been mapped out at this point for years. But I can with these little short snippets or these short stories. I can give the readers exactly what they're asking for. in... As a fan, like I'm a big fan, I'm in a couple of fandoms. I think that's really exciting and really fun.
0: All right, well, you kind of mentioned it, and have you written fanfic in one of those fandoms?
1: I have, but I will not tell you what fandom that's it fine. is. Because... That's fine, I respect that, yeah. <laughs> because there's always drama in fandoms, mm. and so I, as much as possible try to stay out of it but in my early 20s I was super passionate about a fandom and um and got into some heated arguments and so now being a professional I don't know that it's you appropriate to for you <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't want those impassioned arguments to follow me uh, I've learned better in my 30s that, but I also so.
0: I agree with you about fanfic I do I started writing fanfic I I've talked to other authors on the f- podcast who have and it I encourage any other new authors or people who want to write to start there because it gives you the canon, it gives you the characters, and you can kind of just start playing around with something that's already been created. I know a lot of professional authors would disagree with me, but um, I think it kind of gives you a safe space to kind of figure out what it is you want to say
1: yeah i I mean playing within a particular world that already you don't have to think about the world building or and it's a bit of a shortcut uh the characters are already there for you their motivations and who they are even if you're writing uh alternate universe or you know um if you're writing let's say um, Marvel fanfic in Victorian England, but you, you already have that set of stock characters. Everybody already knows who they are, so you it gives you a chance to improve as a writer because it's a it's an exercise. Um, so those shortcuts I think are essential at first for improving as a writer until you feel confident and capable in your storytelling abilities to actually and create not your own character.
0: Marvel characters in Victorian England. <laughs>
1: Haha, <laughs> no, no, oh, not no. just no, because I want to read it, not because it, I thought it was you. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, I totally sounds do. Amazing. Yeah, no, I, I just want to read it. Um,
0: and I, I, I get what you said about also writing something that was kind of fun and um frothy. I don't know, I don't, I don't want that to sound bad, but you know. Cupcakey, y something just delicious and fun because um, I recently yeah. did a holiday novella that is going to also be coming out in November and I was just like, I'm just going to write like my version of a holiday, uh, Hallmark movie or something, you know?
1: Oh, fun. That's and,
0: fun. And so I was going to say, if you wanted to try that, that would be, because uh, now you're giving me all sorts of ideas and I'm like, I just might put that in my newsletter for next year and then at the end of the year we could... You know or i'm going to or you could you know publish something a holiday gift for your fans i'm just thinking yes. out loud here everyone so everyone now knows what i'm going to be doing in 2018.
1: oh you know i highly recommend it um i highly highly recommend doing that the readers really enjoy getting the monthly installments and then And then there's just something about being able to sit down and read a complete book when you're done. And it has new surprises and new scenes and new perspectives. Um, The final finished product. And it's what I really tried to do, as I said, was write this for the readers who have been following along all year. So it has a lot of their... I mean, there's several scenes that I added that are among their wish list. Geez, I wish I had Luca's perspective on Luca being the main male character on this particular scene. And I was like, well, I will give that to you. So that was, um, it's just a lot of fun to be able to do that for your readers.
0: you put Easter eggs in your books?
1: Oh, all the time. Oh, I love it. I love doing that. I totally do. I map my my series books out ahead of time before I write them. And so there will be things in the first book that'll come up in the fourth book that happened recently with my last release in the Winston Brothers series, Beard in Mind. There was an important detail in book one that, that finally had some resolution in book four. Um, And I really, really like to do that because uh, it encourages people to go back and reread books. And I feel like books, (sighs) uh, my favorite books are the ones that I reread, obviously. And They're the ones that I think about, even when I'm in my daily life, you know, just taking the kids to school or mopping the floor. Um, And so um, I like to when I when I write a book or when I plot a series, always in the back of my mind is I want to write a book that people reread more than three times. That's the goal. And so Easter eggs, I think, can really contribute to that.
0: Well, I think it worked for me because I did notice a Cletus. Did it have to do with Cletus? A little clue about... Cletus and Jennifer, and the Beard in Mind, and I, I. Maybe that's not what you meant to do, but I was like, now I have to go back and read Cletus' book again. <laughs>
1: yes, yeah, I did that on purpose. I uh, overlapped the timeline between Beard Science and Beard in Mind, um, and that led a lot of readers to rereading Beard Science. And um, yeah, so that was that was a purposeful. But the more so the reason why I had to overlap those two timelines is so that I could build up the anticipation for the fourth book and the third book. And so you could see that things were happening in the third book for the fourth book, but you didn't know what the full story is. And so then the fourth book, you get that so full story. So you plot
0: all this out in advance, because this, this is pretty complex.
1: I do. I plot this all out in advance. And my, I mean, I, I won't send you a picture because you'll send it to the FBI, but I have one of those boards. That is super frightening uh, when you look at it. It's quite large. I have a large board, big cork board for each of my series, that's in my office, and it has the strings and the attachments and the and all of the um, the connections and um, and then also on my computer, I have. This is probably going to make me sound crazy, even crazier. I have a wiki for each of my series, so I have a wiki on my um, that I host on a server and I write wiki articles related to each of the books. And then I I don't know if you're at all familiar with wiki programming. You can link each individual term to a page. Uh, You can categorize and label at the bottom. And so if I need to look something up, I just go to the wiki to make sure that I'm on the right track. that's
0: genius, not crazy. And two, that's smart romance.
1: (laughs) <laughs> it's overthinking romance. That's what I should be calling it is overthinking well, romance. Well, since
0: we started talking about Winston Brothers, now is the gushing alert. And I told you in the emails, and we were setting this up. I said, I have to talk about Winston Brothers because I have gone on vacations and told people they had to read them. I have told all my friends they have to read them. <laughs> um, but first, the covers. The covers are unlike anything else in contemporary romance. Did you get that idea? How did you? decide that those were going to be the covers?
1: So I I design and make all my own covers, um, mostly because I cannot find a cover designer willing to be weird enough for me. So I had this idea that I would do cross-stitch book covers for the Winston Brothers. Um, It just seemed very book appropriate i mean these books take place or i guess content appropriate these books take place in tennessee um near Maribel, tennessee and if anybody's been to that part of um, the country it's just it's very cozy and just beautiful and it feels like you could walk into any, and this, of course, is a stereotype, but I'm, I'm just going to go with it. It feels like you could walk into any house in the neighborhood and they would have like a, a cross-stitch sampler on their wall, something that maybe their grandmother did or, you know, maybe their daughter is working on. It just feels very homey, I guess. And it's uh, the kind of place that's so beautiful. It defies description all throughout throughout the entire year. I mean, the Smoky Mountains in the summer, they're covered in this gorgeous blue mist. And the trees are just, oh, it's just, ah, it's so gorgeous. And this is why I write rather than talk.
0: No, I I, I think that your, your appreciation for the setting comes across perfectly in the books, because it feels like, like someplace you want to go all the time. I want to li- move there, except for the motorcycle gang um <laughs> but have oh, you yeah. I wanted to ask though have you ever lived in Tennessee or did you grow up there or
1: I haven't um okay. I've my parents have um uh, when they retired they bought a house up in Tennessee and I visited them for the very first time right before I wrote Ashley Winston's book which is book for in the knitting in the city series but kind of the pre- the precursor to the Winston Brothers series and I had decided early on that she was going to be from Tennessee because I had a an acquaintance who was from Tennessee who I was loosely basing the character on. So I was like, I better go back to 10, I better go to Tennessee and, you know, see what it's about. So I visited my parents and I just completely fell in love with that part. And that part of Tennessee was just, ah, just so beautiful. And we went in the summer and then I went back in the fall that same year. And then we, I went back in the spring that same year. And, um, I took a lot of notes and a lot of pictures, and I kept a diary of um, my thoughts about the setting, and I've referred back to that quite a bit, and I also picked up a wildflower guide, but no, I've only ever visited. I've only been able to ever visit, but there is um, a community center right outside of Happy Valley, Tennessee, that where they do a jam session on um, Friday night over the summer, and it's exactly how I describe in the book. They have church pews they have movie theater seats they have school seats and they have a big in the cafeteria they serve food and um there's four or five different rooms where people get together and they jam and um yeah so it's exactly how i described in the book that happens on Friday that's amazing because
0: one of my favorite scenes i think is from dwayne's book and it takes takes place backstage at the jam session
1: (laughs) yes (laughs) Oh, what scene is that? Yeah, no, I don't know. Kidding. Lots of them. There's lots Which of them. one could that possibly be? <laughs> I think when
0: I read that, I was like, I'm all in. I'm all in for whatever this is going to be about. And I yeah. think I've used... I've, I think I. after I read that, I started telling some of my friends and I was like, okay, it's got this other scene in a lake and you
1: have oh. to...
0: Yeah, those are, those are good, Penny. Everyone has to go oh, well, read this Oh well, thank one you. Um, I'm sorry. What was I that title? Again? The I just feedback. call it the Dwayne book.
1: <laughs> oh no, that was Truth or Beard. Truth
0: or Beard. Yes, we'll put that one in. Well, do you have a favorite between? So, for those who don't know, let me just back up. The Winston brothers series is based in Tennessee, and it's about a family called the Winstons. There's six bearded brothers and one sister, which you mentioned, Ashley. And it's got cars and motorcycle gangs and mechanics and jamborees and pies and um, <laughs> art and movie stars and everyone cool and interesting comes together in these books. So um, oh, do you have a favorite brother? I have to ask.
1: Whichever brother I'm writing at the moment is the, is the honest answer. And I have to, I have to feel that way in order to write the book that I want to write or th- in order to do the character justice. So I have to fall a little bit in love with whatever brother I'm writing at the particular time. And so right now my favorite guy is my favorite guy right now is Roscoe. And then when I finish with his book, my favorite guy will of course be Billy, which I think a lot of people have been waiting to read his tragic.
0: I was going to say, I've been waiting to, f- to read
1: Billy. Yeah, that was purposeful. I, um, meaning that I purposefully, uh built i've been trying to build all the books towards this last book for billy and claire obviously is going to be his love interest well
0: do fans have a favorite
1: so so um you know i think that they do i think that it's hard for cletus not to be everybody's favorite brother because he's such a bizarre um soul And yeah, there you go. That's a great word. That's a great word. Braggadashio. No, I'm just no, no, no. Um, he, uh, he's he's, I mean, that book in particular, I think, struck a chord with a lot of people. Um, because of the female character and how she was raised, I've received a lot Mm -hmm. of emails from women who have said that that was very similar to their upbringing, and that the first time that they had a conversation. With somebody who didn't have their shared belief system was when they went to college and you know that they grew up homeschooled not that there's anything at all bad about being homeschooled at all uh, but when you're when you grow up in a very isolated environment and the only opinions that matter are those of your parents and you don't really get a chance to interact with your peers and then you go off to college um, and you start life, your adult life at 18, not really knowing anything about the world. I've, I've received a ton of emails from readers uh, with that perspective. So that's been interesting. That's been really interesting. And her character, actually, the character of Jennifer from Beard Science was born out of one conversation with one woman i had when i was there in the summer when i was in tennessee the summer the first time there was this woman we encountered um i call it bandit lake in the book but there's this lake at the very top of the mountain that used to be a gold mine in um, tennessee and so we were there and i was there with my kids and they were swimming and my parents and there was this woman who came to swim in the lake and she was wearing um jeans and a big t-shirt and I was concerned because I was worried that there was some sort of amoeba or something in the lake that the kids shouldn't be wearing bathing suits. And so I said, as an an epidemiologist, (laughs) right, right, right. (laughs) exactly. So I said, should we not be wearing bathing suits? And she said, No, no. I swim in these clothes because I believe women are responsible for the lust they inspire in others. Wow. And I was stunned, speechless, just like completely stunned. And she started so i started asking her questions to understand how she came to this conclusion and she just revealed this history about how she had grown up and she was educated at home she never went to college and she got married to a man that her parents chose because you should honor your mother and father and and again nothing wrong with any uh of that particular that particular concept honoring your father and mother no judgment at all but it was just such a cultural shock to me that um so i decided to base a character off of this woman who is real and in front of me and um and then how she talked about her daughters was also eye-opening about well anyway i mean there's different value systems all over the world and then even within our own country there's startling value systems. Um, And you don't, unless you seek to understand those and understand where they come from, um, how they were built, and how they remain, uh, I don't think that you can have an intellectual or a, a knowledgeable conversation with people. And so I wasn't there to judge her, I was just trying to understand her perspective. Sure.
0: That That's really awesome how it ended up in your book, and I can see definitely those connections to Jennifer, um, because she had her own arc, or her character arc, where she learned yeah. <laughs> about herself and, and really drew the line. It wasn't just about like falling in love. It was about her becoming who she needed to be. And um, right. I did love Cletus. I, I will say, I don't know if Cletus is my favorite, but there is not another hero in romance that's like him. So he's... He's one of a kind, and he's it's made it really fun and interesting to read.
1: Oh, thank you, I appreciate that. So,
0: I do have another question about Beard in Mind, Beard in Mind, which was the last one I read, and it was mostly written in Beau's point of view, and it deals with Shelley, and it shows how they deal with Shelley's OCD and and how you know it affects their relationship and it affects her life, and I wanted to ask. You know, the only chapters I think that were written in Shelley's POV are the ones where she's at her you decided to divide it up that way.
1: Well there were a couple of reasons. So first and foremost, um I, I did extensive research on obsessive compulsive disorder. I spoke to several psychotherapists as well as psychologists about the disorder. I attended um uh, support groups not just for people with or people living with OCD but also um, their caregivers and their loved ones and it became very clear to me that the nature of Shelley's OCD which is severe it would be exhausting for a reader to read a book mm-hmm. from Shelley's perspective when she's out in the world um, the nature of her disorder her particular diagnosis of disorder is that when she is out in the world her mind is going a million miles a minute and part of the reason Shelley is so quiet when she interacts with everyone with other people is because she's trying to quiet her mind the entire time and so living with that is exhausting reading about it is even more exhausting and so realistically i'm writing within the genre of romance i'm not writing a literary fiction and i'm not writing i'm I'm not writing i guess a literary fiction is the right way to put that and so ultimately what i'm seeking to do is to entertain so my books are written to entertain um and secondarily hopefully to teach not without being preachy And with literary fiction, you don't necessarily write the book to entertain. Um, So if I had written a literary fiction, then I probably would have included a lot of chapters from her perspective. But the window that I gave into Shelley's mind was very purposefully only in her therapist's office because of the lack of distraction. In the therapist's office there was nothing on the walls the walls were white um, there were very few pieces of furniture in the room there was really nothing for Shelly to focus on other than the people around her but when she's in the shop when she goes to Jeannie's bar when she's even in her own house her mind is very loud and so for readers to stick with a book where they have where they're forced to read um, every single thought that's going through her mind, I, th- I really felt like it was too much to ask of um, for a book that's not literary fiction. Hopefully that my meaning is coming across clearly. And it,
0: it does. And I, hadn't, and I hadn't thought about it. I just And I hadn't even, when I was reading it, I didn't even realize that I hadn't heard from Shelley until like about halfway through, and it's probably my writer brain clicking in and going uh wait what what's going on and so i kind of flipped through and i saw that it was her therapist just her therapist scenes and i thought there's you know got to be a very specific reason for it and that definitely makes sense but now hearing you say it i think that it also helped me as a reader without personal experience with ocd you're you're learning it with bo right and you're seeing it and and learning to love her and accept her as he does right i think if you wanted to educate that was the perfect way of doing it because you weren't distracted
1: right so that was the second reason was that um i want exactly what you just said i wanted readers to fall in love with her as beau fell in love with her meaning that he wasn't inside of her head he doesn't need to be inside of her head um Hopefully no spouses inside of each other's head or significant other. Um, and so he fell in love with the person she revealed herself to be over time. And so recently there was a blog who, as a shortcut, referred to her as, as a grumpy heroine. And the thing is, she's not actually at all grumpy. She's just, uh, she, for she's distracted and she's also uh, concerned. She's concerned about everybody around her. I mean, as an example, she says... Um, she reached a point in her life where she was saying Hail Marys for five hours every night for every person she'd ever met uh, because she wanted to make sure that all of those people were okay and over time she of course scales it back to just the people she cannot bring herself not to pray for every night and um, so that's not the that's not how a grumpy person would behave but externally to the world she comes across as very grumpy Um, So that's an important distinction is that there's this thing, this uh, concept called the fundamental attribution error, which is that for ourselves, we attribute everything that goes wrong to an external factor. So I was uh, late today because traffic was bad. But the error part of this is that for other people, we attribute everything that goes wrong for them to something internal so that person was late because they're lazy and irresponsible not because traffic was bad and so we have this this tendency to attribute negative as or negative attributes to a person in turn, whatever internal flaw that they have when that may not at all be the case maybe it's that they're dealing with something really difficult or heavy and this is a concept everybody does this i'm guilty of this no offense but you're guilty of this we're all guilty of doing this and so i wanted to show that um, to maybe have a little bit more patience with people and think the best of them and um to have more grace in your everyday interactions and so that was a that was a hope for this particular book because you never know what somebody is dealing with
0: I I can see that. I talk to my kids about that a lot, about how to... not have the world revolve <laughs> or how the world should be revolving around them. Um, you know, the teacher right. didn't give you a fifty. You earn the fifty.
1: Exactly. If someone honks you know, I'm trying to
0: model that. So if someone honks at me in an intersection, I'm going to say, you know what? I bet their wife is in a hospital and they're really anxious to get there right now.
1: Right. Um, exactly. That's exactly right. It
0: is something that can be a challenge in the year 2017 with all that we have going on in the world, but it is a nice reminder of that. And the other thing I liked about kind of seeing things through, well, not necessarily just seeing things through Beau's eyes, but Shelly Shelley has rules about touch. And I liked mm-hmm. how it became almost a very sensual thing between them. And so you're noticing who touches who first and how it happens and I was really it's just a really lovely way to I don't want to say turn her condition into a positive but he almost does in that way like he creates intimacy by going okay I understand these are your rules and I'm going to consciously follow them so that you can trust me and get busy with me (laughs) eventually.
1: I think we all ultimately want to be loved for who we are. And that's all the pieces of us that whatever makes all of of us, whatever makes us as a person. And so Shelly isn't OCD. She lives with OCD. So that's not who she is ultimately as a person. Now, of course that's shaped who she is, but it's only made her more because of the decisions she's made to, improve herself or to um try and fight against it because she'll live with it every day there is no cure for ocd there's no resolution in terms of okay and now he made her better because that's not at all what happens and that doesn't happen in real life Um, it's that person has to struggle with it every day but look at how strong a person with who's living with OCD has to be people who live with OCD and are able to manage it are among the strongest people in the world because they're fighting against an internal demon every single day and they're winning. And if they're managing it, they're winning that battle. And so that's, that's something that's incredibly admirable. And that's one of the reasons he falls in love with her is because of how strong and brave and capable she is. Um, and she wouldn't necessarily have to be that way or would ne- wouldn't necessarily have become that person unless she, had this, she was living with this disorder. So I wanted to make that clear as well because I did have one beta reader who asked me, do you feel like Shelly just has too much baggage meaning that she's not really a character that somebody could fall in love with because she just has too much baggage. And I, my response to that was absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, somebody is going to look at what this, this beta reader called baggage and see the beauty in it, that it's forced her and she's embraced it to, her to become this really strong, um, capable individual who wants to do the right thing and has a very strong sense of self. So sorry if I've waxed too long about this particular subject.
0: No. Well, I just love that you give everyone an HEA. Everyone gets a happily ever after. And honestly, I think Cletus might be more difficult
1: to deal with. <laughs> I 100% agree. I 100% so, agree.
0: So if Shelley has baggage, let's talk about. Oh my Mr. god, she's such a stinker!
1: There. I'll tell you something that um, not many people know. He's actually based on me. So. Like his Oh I'm sorry. No, no, don't apologize. (laughs) Don't apologize at all. It's so true. I am so I am such a pain. I I recognize this about myself, but I just have very little desire to change it. So but like his uh there's a Well I love him. I
0: love him. There you go. Transitive property. He
1: um (laughs) he has this line early on, um, where he says, I don't like judging people, I love it, writing people off completely is liberating. I can't tell you how many times I've thought that to myself, but that's an instinct that I, I struggle against as, you know, a member of society, but just his prickliness and, um, his propensity to, um, I, I, I can't, I don't know how to say this without, you know, making myself sound like a complete jerk, but, um, his propensity to decide that he knows best. Like I'm just going to do it. I know best moving on the rest of you can take a chill pill or whatever. I've already done it. Uh, that's very much me. And, um, in some of his, I guess, stranger thoughts, I think he has a word or not a word. He has a phrase in, um, Jethro's book in grin and beard it, where he says he talks about his perspective on, um, on, um, uh, partners that you're intimate with people that you're, you know, uh, about keeping a clean kitchen mm-hmm.
0: yeah. and mm-hmm. don't
1: invite anybody into your kitchen. If you, or don't invite anybody into your body that you wouldn't invite into your kitchen. And so that's a lot, of, a lot of that scene is word for word things that I've said, especially put your best, um, F U C K <laughs> forward, <laughs> put your best, uh, I've said that, uh, a number of times. Um, and so I, my husband would give me these strange looks and so i would say should i use that for a book and he's like absolutely use that for a book good so let's well, get
0: into the book recommendations when people ask you for recommendations is there something or someone you always recommend
1: there is i always always recommend amy Harmon um and amy harman's books and she doesn't just write one within one particular genre. So she writes contemporary, so she has some amazing contemporary novels. Um, a Different Blue is a beautiful book. So is The Law of Moses and Making Faces. Those are, I mean, and then The Song of David. I'm, well, she has a She has contemporary books that are amazing. Every single one of them are amazing. And then she branched off and she decided to write within this fantasy world. So it's high fantasy. And the first book is called, um, the bird and the sword. And the second book is called the queen and the cure. And it's just her imagination is breathtaking and highly, highly, highly recommend for anybody who enjoys, um, romance at all. And then uh, on top of that, if you enjoy, uh, romance with fantasy elements or high fantasy romance, then these That's books are awesome. definitely I've been getting
0: for more you. into fantasy romance, so that is a great recommendation.
1: Oh, they're just, they're breathtaking. They're amazing. Her, her imagination, the world that she creates is so unique and rich and uh, detailed, and you feel like it's real. Um, and then most recently, she wrote a historical fiction um, called From Sand and Ash, and it's about a young jewish woman growing up in italy before world war ii and then um well i I don't want to give too much away but her childhood friend ultimately becomes a catholic priest and then the war starts um world war ii starts and so she's young and jewish and he's a Catholic priest. And, you know, of course, she's going to be persecuted because she's Jewish. And then what comes next and after is really a gorgeous love story, uh, rich in detail and historical accuracy. And so again, you feel like you're right there living through the, the story with them. She's somebody who was born to be a writer. I mean, she just, that was what she was supposed to do. And we're, and we as a world, we, the world are better because she is writing books.
0: That's amazing. I don't know which one I'm going to start with first.
1: Oh my gosh. Any (laughs) of them. Just read any and all of them. They're all just, I, I, sorry if I'm, again, I'm gushing. Maybe we should play the gushing sound effect of, but (laughs) um, she's, uh, she's uh, within the romance world. She's definitely my favorite um, author. I'll read everything that she writes and recommend it probably too much.
0: Is there anything else you've been recommending a lot lately besides Miss Harmon?
1: I I have and to switch gears, I recommend um, CD Reese who writes or her she used to write a, a lot of erotica and there's still erotica elements in her books and I don't usually read erotica. Um, but and it's not because obviously there's anything wrong with erotica there's nothing at all it's just that um typically in erotica the story is the sex mm. and what's happening and so it's uh, some scenes strung together but m- the majority of the book the majority of the words the percentage of the words are going to be the large percentage of the words are going to be about having the two characters, or maybe it's three, or maybe it's four, um, having, uh, having sex. And then what the dynamics and emotions are surrounding that particular act. And, and usually it's, usually there's like 15 love scenes or sex scenes or whatever. And so she used to write quite a bit of erotica and she's moved more into the contemporary space, but her latest book, King of Code, I don't want to say that it's a dark romance, um, but it's about two very flawed characters, which seems to be my requisite for enjoying a book, is that the characters have to be flawed, meaning that I have to be able to see that they're, um, they're not... It, it, they can't be these idealized versions of humans. Um, so the characters are very flawed, and there's some questionable behavior, um, and choices that are made. And so I super enjoyed her book that, um, just released this last month, I think it was September called King of Code because, uh, it felt like reading a romantic psychological thriller with elements of erotica. And I don't really see anybody else writing these kinds of books. They're just really smart and uh, you may not agree with the characters and their decisions, but you know that it's going to be something different and it's going to make you think. So I, I've really been enjoying C.D. Reese's uh, books recently. Um, the ones prior to that, she wrote a duet called The Marriage Games and The Separation Games. And that was also interesting from the like, psychological perspective that um, how people are behaving and the choices that they make and the ramifications of that and exploring your own uh, sense of self and sexual identity and so i really enjoyed i really enjoyed those books as well um And then also completely off topic, David Sedaris is a huge favorite of mine because he's the funniest person on the face of the earth. So if you want to laugh, David Sedaris, um, his books and short stories, if you can get them on audio, they're fantastic.
0: I love David Sedaris. Oh, my God. He's the best. (laughs) One of the most embarrassing moments of my life was I took his one of his books. I forget which one. And I was reading it on a plane. And the noises that were coming out of me, because <laughs> I was trying not to laugh, just like I didn't want to be the crazy person in row 22 Good luck. that was cackling. So instead, I'm trying to hold it back and making these awful sounds. And there was like this Italian guy next to me who was probably like, what is this crazy country I'm in? Cause this woman is snorting <laughs> and um, I've heard him. I went a few years ago when he came to Dallas and heard him live and oh he's, yeah, he's incredible. I He's
1: incredible. And I, every I time read we need
0: more David Sedaris. That's oh awesome.
1: my gosh. She's so funny. And then if you, like I said, if you can get the audio cause he reads it himself and uh, it's, it just gives all of the books a new layer of hilarity and, I was going to say, if you haven't seen him live, go see him live. Every time I get a chance to see him live, I see him live because he reads from his journals and there are some truly distressing and disturbing, but at the same time, just completely hilarious entries that you're not ever going to get to read. But if you go see him live, you'll get to hear him read to the audience. It's
0: so good. All right. Are you ready for the lightning round?
1: oh yes sorry i feel like i've talked way too much no, so feel I free loved to it. no
0: i could i could talk okay. to you all day but um the lightning okay. round is our you know much beloved section of the podcast so are you ready
1: sure i think so
0: what do you prefer dark or milk chocolate dark marvel or dc
1: uh, marvel
0: star trek or star wars
1: <laughs> um i'm gonna have to say star trek but only because of star trek voyager okay
0: i can i can tell how deep you are <laughs> when you can answer it that <laughs> way right. thor with short hair or thor with long hair
1: i'm uh more of a loki person myself so I he like can wear it any way he likes
0: coffee or tea <laughs> coffee when your phone rings, do you answer it?
1: Never. Never. <laughs> I never answer it. Never, ever. Unless it's the school for the kids. But other than that, never.
0: How do you normally waste time on the Internet?
1: Uh, um, usually reading um, PubMed articles. So clinicaltrials.gov um, rep- reports all of their um, all of their findings to PubMed. Um, there's a requirement because yada, 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 data sharing agreements through the NIH that was passed back in 2004 having to do with HIPAA. Anyway, so I spent a lot of time on PubMed looking through the recent, um, recent research on all sorts of diseases. It's just very soothing to me. Oh, so yes.
0: I love <laughs> that so much. All right, if you had to pick one, crochet or knit?
1: That's not a fair question. I <laughs> refuse to answer. I refuse to answer anything having to do with yarn. I choose yarn. So there you go. Uh,
0: I did think of this when you were telling me about your FBI plotting board. I wondered, do you choose cheap yarn or expensive yarn to put up? On oh, the cheap.
1: Geez, cheap yarn. You don't want to, I mean, yarn is sacred. You don't use expensive yarn for anything but hand crocheted or hand knit items. So yeah or woven if you weave i don't know i don't weave yet so all right
0: you can't pick between crocheting all right
1: no un- unable
0: are you more likely to buy a book with a, a cover a book cover with abs or a beach scene
1: <sighs> i don't know i i mean i honestly couldn't tell you the last time i purchased a cover with abs or a beach scene um, there's only
0: so many covers with cross-stitched beards on them
1: <laughs> right, but there's other ways. There's other ways to. I, I'm more likely to buy a cover if it has a woman on it. Nice. So I guess I would say the beach scene because that might have a it woman on it.
0: Yeah, someone with a flowy dress and a big sun hat. Carrying right, a basket of baguettes. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right, but which is probably unfortunate because I have, as in terms of advanced read copies, I have read a number of books from author friends who ha- put abs on their covers and the books are great and I probably wouldn't have purchased it because of the abs on the cover. So I need to get over that. I need to get over that um, that 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 thing that I do. So I need to just uh, bite the bullet and start buying them.
0: What about forearms? Would you prefer a, a good forearm
1: or a? I I just am more biased towards purchasing books with women I like because I feel... Too. I feel like I want to, re- I want to read a story with to somebody who I can relate to. Yes. And so if you're going to put, if you put a guy with abs on the cover, chances are I'm really not going to be able to relate to him. First of all, I don't go to the gym. Secondly, I, this might be TMI. I don't wax. And those guys have to wax like their chest, everything. And third, my hair is long and their hair is short. And so maybe, no, I'm just being silly at this point. But I mean, you couldn't put anybody on the cover of a book that I could relate to less than a guy with apps because that's the polar opposite of what I, how I spend my day.
0: All right. I have a very important last question and I have no idea how Penny Reed is going to answer this. So this is going to be a surprise. Uh What are your feelings about turning to the last page of a book first?
1: Oh, that's, who would do that? (laughs) That's like, drowning kittens why would you do that that's that's the what why would you ask that question it's like asking you know would I eat mayonnaise That's horrible. That's like a crime against humanity. No, of course not. No, well, who are these well, people?
0: Fortunately, I listeners know I started asking this question because someone I discovered that someone very close to me did this, and I was <gasps> I was thrown. I was taken aback. I was um, it 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 challenged everyone, everything I thought I knew, and so I thought, you know, what this is a good question to see. If maybe this is more prevalent than I, I thought, but thank you for confirming oh, my belief in humanity.
1: <laughs> okay, well, you're welcome.
0: Well, um, <laughs> where can people find you when they want to hear more about epidemiology and knitting?
1: <laughs> well, I do have a website and um, it's Penny Reid, so P E N N Y R E I D ninja n-i-n-j-a pennyreed.ninja and that's my uh website and i um the fun thing that we do on the website is that we for each of the books we link to all of the special scenes or extra content that i've written that's all around the web and so um if you are inter- interested in a particular book or if you um if you have read a particular book and you want to read more from those particular characters you can just navigate to that book and uh, see all the extra scenes that are out there. So that's where people can go and the best way to keep up with news Penny read news is to subscribe to the newsletter because I faithfully send it out once a month.
0: Thank you so much for coming on women with books. We could have talked for a lot longer and you are fascinating and talented and awesome. Thank you so much. Oh,
1: you're very kind. That's like the first time anyone has ever said what? those words to me. So I truly appreciate it. Thank you. No, no, no. I'm just, you know, thank you so much. That's really we'll nice have of to you do it
0: again. Thanks Penny. Thank you for joining us today. If you like this podcast, please go to iTunes, subscribe, and leave a review. And if you want to share your love of a book with the world, you can go to our Facebook page and leave a comment or this is the fun part. I have an actual phone number in our show notes. Call, leave a message about a book that you loved, and you want the world to know about, and I will try to play your voicemail on the air so that you can be a part of this podcast, which after all is all about reading and readers. This is Lindsay Emery on Women With Books. Keep reading.